Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, computer programming, because I did a degree in computer science. Mm. Um, there, there's a thing called garbage in and garbage out, and it basically means if you put something, if you put bad code in, you don't get the programming out you want. Yeah. And if you make a good program but you put in bad data, you're not going to get out what you want. Yeah. And it works with everything in life. And it's, <laughs> and it's only just recently I've noticed how much that is also transferable. Yeah. You know, you keep. Awful it's like people. cooking. If you use bad ingredients, you yeah. make nice food. Exactly, and you keep awful people in your life. You're gonna have an awful life. Yeah, you know, you have, that to, too. you have to you have to really think about stuff like this in life. <laughs> um, so yeah, so maybe if we just to get a, a level check, um, if you want to say your name and I always do, I always do breakfast, but let's do um, the thing you would most like for. No, let's not do that one because I did that one. It's, it's in the front of my head. You know what I mean? The the you the book you are reading at the moment, and is it any good? <laughs> okay, so uh, my name is Jessie Bottrell, and um, what book am I reading at the moment? Uh, I tend to be reading about three different ones at once. Or oh, I'm reading a book called Solomon Creed, which is really good, okay. but I'm actually cheating because I'm listening to it on audiobook. Right to kind of cram in more reading time <laughs> so when I'm walking around we can't judge you for listening to something on audio <laughs> yeah <That's... laughs> no it's just uh, yeah there's only so many hours in a day and you can't spend all of them reading but if you're on the tube you can read with your ears mm. <laughs> hello my name's Simon Kane, and welcome to the Ask Your Industry podcast episode 37 for those of you new to the show this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up comedy radio tv and today writing Jesse Botrell is a literary agent at Jan Clown Nesbitt who are one of the largest and most powerful literary agencies in the world uh, they have uh, offices over in the states and they also have as we'll find out in the podcast a slightly smaller office in the UK which is not to say they're less powerful over here it just means well you'll find out inside but basically it means they can be much more flexible and much more dynamic and much more and much more adventurous of who they sign over here as an author. Jessie herself has been working as a literary agent for five years. She's interested in standout voices and extraordinary storytelling in both fiction and non-fiction. So this podcast will be good for any writers who want to write a book or get a book published and are looking to get an agent to make that happen or anyone who's just interested in the writing industry in general. So feel free to share it with anyone that you think might benefit from it. Also, if you like this kind of episode, you should check out episode 36. You should check out episode 36, which was with Random House Publishing, which is the world's largest publisher. We've also got more writers coming on in 2016. So if you 
would like to get more of these podcasts, uh, feel free to subscribe. And also, don't forget to join the Facebook group. Like I said, we've got some massive guests planned, as well as some big plans for live shows and maybe a conference. I've been talking about that with enough people now that I feel like it's a thing that I'm tied into. But let's see how it goes. If you would like to know more about those things, join the Facebook group, which is called RC Industry Podcast, and it's on Facebook, obviously. Um, that's the only sort of community we have this for this podcast. We don't have a Twitter feed or anything. But if you want to follow my Twitter feed, that's at This Made Me Cool. And I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I don't tend to put in too many topical things into these podcasts because I like them to be evergreen, but I feel like I should sort of just acknowledge that it's been Christmas and it's been a really nice one, and I hope you've had a lovely time and you saw people that you love and got some nice gifts maybe, or at least just spent time with people you don't get to spend time with all year long. So Merry Christmas to everyone who listens to these. Uh, If you're listening to these in July, uh, Merry July. That's the problem with these uh, episodes. They go out and you can listen to them at any time of the year. Anyway, if you would like to um, follow along with the show notes, um, you can find all the questions that were asked at simoncane.co.uk forward slash podcast. And uh, they've all got timestamps next to them, so you can jump back and forth to find the exact question you're actually interested in, or just listen to the whole thing, which is what you're about to do now. So without any further delays, this is Jessie Botterill. Um, Okay, so I am a literary agent. I have been here at Jank Van Nesbitt for kind of four and a half, five years. Um, And a literary agent is basically the middleman between an author and a publisher, um like an actor has an agent you know we negotiate we we kind of find the talent nurture the talent um and then we act as the kind of negotiator between the author um and the publisher publishers tend to prefer to work with agents just because we know what kind of the kind of brackets of what is expected and what the boilerplate terms for contracts are um and you know it's quite good for an author you know to have that buffer as well to not have to speak directly to their publisher over kind of awkward matters about kind of money and royalties and so the kind of difficult conversations we have so the author doesn't have to um and you know there's all sorts of benefits to it there's um you know we've got a contracts department we've got a legal department over in the US so you're kind of covered for everything we've got a foreign rights department so when your book is sold in the UK it's also um, you know, covered, you know, we were also pitching out to the rest of the world. Um, and also the biggest part of it is we are, you know, the champions of our authors. We, um, you know, look after their needs much further beyond just the book. We're talking about the kind of the rest of their career and what they should be doing in terms of TV and in terms of, um, you know, giving talks and how to be doing their Twitter, all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and I love it. It's a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it'd, it'd be weird if you hated it. Yeah, it would Five be weird. Years. It would be weird. It yeah. would be weird. Um, well, because we actually, that's interesting because you mentioned TV already. Mm. Um, we talked before about how, uh, so say, a comedy person with an agent has a book idea. Yeah. And they are trying to, like, negotiate with, like, through, like, through their own current agent with you. Yeah. And you were talking to me about how it's probably better to just have a literary agent rather than a comedy agent. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because it depends, I mean... It, it always depends what came first and, and most of the time in terms of comedy people have a comedy agent first and it also depends on that comedy agent themselves and what kind of a sort of retainer they have you under and how far they want to take their role as your agent you know it can be you know it can be quite clear from the start that actually that they're representing you representing you across everything that you do 
Um, but also they might turn around and say, hey, look, I don't know anything about book deals. Go and get yourself a book agent, mm. which is when we were talking before, that's what I would advise just because, you know, why not have you know an expert in their field as a comedy agent and an expert in their field as a literary agent? Mm. And like I mentioned before, you know, publishers prefer dealing with literary agents because we're talking the same language. We're talking about the same terms. And it just makes life much easier for everybody. <laughs> yeah, totally. um, but I mean, it depends per agency. You know, lots of comedy agents are part of bigger agencies that, you know, you might have a couple of agents yourself as a you know comedian within one agency, one dealing with, you know, your comedy, one with script writing, one mm. with books. Um, so, yeah, it slightly depends on your situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember you said something about that um, you wouldn't, kind of try and book live work for example for a comedy agent so it makes sense yeah to yeah thing that you can i mean at. within bounds we, we always try and, i mean if people come to us first and we're doing the book and then it's really apparent that there's other things they want to be doing you know like i said it's part of our job to kind of explore every avenue but we also are aware of where our you know expertise finish and we we have relationships with tv agents like some really great ones in london specifically on the um sort of non-fiction side um and we have kind of set ups with them, whereas if they where they bring us clients, we might kind of split the commission with them and vice versa. But it, it varies per agency, per mm. per relationship. But it wouldn't, I mean, in terms of how we feel at Janklo, you know, it's only good for the, our clients and our authors and their books if someone else in the world is helping them get out on another platform. Mm. You know, it's all the same thing now. You know, the more they are, you know, on the internet and Googleable, mm. the better it works for everybody. Yeah, totally. Mm. Okay, so... Uh, say I was an, uh, a writer yes. who has an idea for a book, mm-hmm. hypothetically, yep. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get an agent. Yes. Where do you even start? Um, you would start, I mean, the, the basics are that, you know, we get submissions in from unsolicited people every day. We get, you know, heaps and heaps of them. And there's this kind of myth that it, they just go into this black hole, no one reads them and no one will ever respond to you and it's completely difficult. To, to be fair, they do call it the slush pile. That, <laughs> they that doesn't do. help. That doesn't and that's help. a very archaic term that <laughs> um, does still exist today. But it's more affectionate than it is <laughs> a kind of diss. And it is kind of a big a thing that I, I think is incredibly important. And, you know, I will sing from the rooftops is that I think people forget that finding authors on the slush pile is our bread and butter you know there are great authors out there who really you know they didn't have connections they didn't come in via kind of sideways route they you know they sent their submission in to every agency to every publishing house Mm. and you know the the quality of writing was such that people jumped on it Mm. um and you know it is it's an interesting thing because you know, the first part of our day, every single day we come in, the first half of an hour of our day is spent reading through the submissions pile. And those submissions are, you know, a synopsis and a covering letter in the first three chapters in most instances. And, you know, if you've written something that the agents want or publishers want, they will get back to you within, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours. However, you know, it's so competitive now that the submissions pile is done not through kind of post and kind of heaps and mounds of paper you know it's in an email it's the fastest thing you know we can have it mm. sent around our whole office within you know five five ten minutes and have everyone in our office reading and back to you by the end of the day and I think it has quite a bad reputation because obviously it doesn't happen very often that that stuff is that comes in is good enough you know we have you know particularly at Jankler we have you know we represent not that many books because we work very hard with our authors and 
um, that quality is so important to us. So, you know, not everybody is going to get picked up because it's difficult to get a book deal and because you have to be that good. But when you are, you know, you don't even have to worry about it. You'll be picked up in in seconds. You know, no one wants to miss a trick. No one wants to have, you know, see a book deal happen in the bookseller, which is our newspaper, and then realise that it's sitting in their inbox. That's the worst feeling in the whole world. It's awful. Um, So, yeah, you send your submissions in um, via whatever submissions criteria each agency has but there are kind of things that you can do on top to make life easier for yourself you can write an amazing cover letter that kind of is serious and shows that you've really thought about who you're approaching at that agency you know look on the websites find out who these people are look at their twitters find out which agents are reading and talking about the kind of book that you've written and you know the more kind of personal you can make those emails the more we kind of sit up when we're reading you know when you've read 20 already that morning and suddenly someone's like oh dear jesse i noticed that you've been reading this book recently or that you represented this book well you know i think i like that book too and maybe you might like this like already that speaks to me as someone who's really serious about what they're doing and you know it's you know it's a compliment to me Mm -hmm. to be kind of singled out and it's already going to make me kind of sit up and pay attention um and yeah and just and like attention to detail is really important as well you know we're reading so many of these that you know don't make silly mistakes in the cover letter don't get my name wrong don't make silly spelling mistakes because you know we've got other things to be getting on with that day and we don't want a reason to kind of to kind of make yourself off-putting before you know we've even got as far as reading your pages um but having said that that can all turn around you know i've read some terrible cover letters in in my time and Every now and again, they're hiding an incredible manuscript. So you don't have to, you know, don't keep yourself awake at night. <laughs> because, you know, again, I, you know, I'll probably say this about 100 times over the course of this interview, but it is all about the writing. And, you know, it, it's so clear and it so stands out when the writing is good enough that, um, you know, it, you could have sent in a page or it could be a short story or it could be you know completely unfinished in your eyes but if we feel that kind of tingle of that it's amazing we'll still jump on it okay so yeah yeah optimistic <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah stay optimistic but also grounded yeah grounded yeah, yeah, yeah. like within reason <laughs> yeah, yeah was it um optimistic nihilism yeah that kind exactly. of, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of, yeah we're all gonna die but <laughs> so like go for it, it. But, yeah. i mean there are a lot but if yours is great we will pick up on it yeah is the message <laughs> no i'm on board with that i i constantly tell people like just do it and mm-hmm. then if it's good, you'll beat a path to our door. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't. Yeah. Like, because you're a business. Yeah, and we need to, yeah. you know, that's, that's how we make our money. That's how we pay our bills. That's how we kind of make our reputation. It, it really matters that we're on top of this, which we are. Yeah. Um, and I was actually going to say the other the other things that can help, which aren't, you know, aren't always available to people, but the more you can, like, immerse yourself in the industry and, you know, going to kind of writers' workshops or going on courses or you know meet the agent days or you know entering competitions you know anything that you can add to your kind of writing cv that not not necessarily you know you got published when you were 13 but anything that says to us that you are a serious writer that you are making moves to meet the right people to kind of talk about your book in a way that isn't just showing it to your mom or your granny or whatever like just you know it's sort of common sense stuff like just sensible stuff that makes us more and more confident that whatever we're about to read is is going to be kind of thought through and you know not 
completely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I find a lot of my friends immediately pass over that in order to try and go, oh, but I've got to make it stand out somehow. Like, I've got to make yeah, the Yeah, I would just, <laughs> anything, I, I hate, I hate, it's actually one of my pet hates is, is those people who try and make themselves stand out because if you're having to try that hard, you're clearly not confident enough with your own writing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we get all sorts of things, stuff sent in in boxes and tissue paper and scented and mad sort of angry sarcastic letters about how oh you're probably just going to throw this in the bin anyway or like it just you know it it probably feels like a really good idea at the time but it's just not (laughs) you know we're really serious about what we do so we kind of want writers to take it seriously as well yeah um and they're just you know I don't think I've ever laughed at any of the ones that try and be funny. I just, I just haven't. Well, then... That's not a challenge, guys. Yeah, I know. Don't. It isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. Don't start <laughs> sending angry letters. I mean, also, this is obviously subjective. Maybe I'm just an old grouch, but you know, I, <laughs> I, I take it all really seriously. And like, you know, if you've written a funny book, then let the book be funny. Yeah, you don't have to try and kind of sass me out in an email <laughs> no I, I i constantly say i'm really glad to hear this from someone mm. in the industry because I, okay. <laughs> I say this all the time to people like you know you're in a forum or something like applying for gigs and uh you see people just sort of going you know trying to be funny in the forum yeah and you're like you're professional there yeah yeah be yeah. funny on stage yeah, yeah, yeah don't you know what i mean i wouldn't turn up to a meeting in a clown outfit yeah. and go no i've got a really funny book I've got really, yeah. like it just seems weird yeah. that that's not a do you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, good. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, when should you approach an agent? Because I mean, I remember you told me before that you want to see. Uh, I think it's. Oh God, if I get this wrong, the first chapter if it's a non-fiction, and the first three chapters if it's fiction. Um, not but not quite. Be... Okay. Sorry. So, if it's fiction, and this is a, like most agencies ask for this, it's the first first three chapters, not three random chapters. Definitely the first three chapters. <laughs> um and. Um, a synopsis so a kind of one page document that just outlines where it's going so you know once we get past you know we can read the first few chapters love it and we know that you know aliens aren't going to crop up and it's going to be something completely different um and a good cover letter and then for non-fiction we Start sell yet. non-fiction on proposal which is a kind of 50-ish page document which is more of a kind of short essay outlining what you're going to be covering in the rest of the book and then chapter plans and the kind of just the vibe of it more because we sell the non-fiction proposal rather than the finished thing because you know for big history books or mm. science books you know why do all of that expensive research and stuff if you're not going to get published at the end mm. um so there is a slight difference between the two um what was the question? <laughs> it was when should you approach an agent? When should you approach them? Um, that's an interesting question. And I think a lot of agents will say differently because most people would want a kind of finished, poli- I'm talking about fiction here, would want a finished, polished, you know, the best version of what you can possibly do to kind of wow us. But from experience, actually, you know, like I said, when the writing's right, you know, sometimes we'll take people on on the basis of a page or the basis of a kind of very unedited, early rough idea of something. But the idea is so amazing. Mm. And that guy's or girl's profile is so great. And, you know, you know, they can write and they know this is a great idea. So I'm a bit looser about that. And, you know, as in kind of early stages of my agenting career, you know that's kind of what I'm trying to do I'm trying to get onto people's early on before they can you know get noticed by other people Mm. but also it's about you know at Janklo in particular one of the things I love about this agency is we work so 
editorially with our authors. So before any publishers will ever see it, everything that we send out gets a really rigorous edit. Mm. And by edit, I mean, you know, kind of polishing it, but I also mean, you know, structural editing. I mean, you know, this book is amazing, but I kind of falls apart at the end. Let, let's fix that before mm. we even get it out to publishers mm. because it's a really tough market. And, you know, publishers do not need that many reasons to say no to something it can be brilliant but if it kind of falls apart a bit you know anything that makes them slightly anxious can completely put them Mm. off so we do a lot of editing a lot of close work kind of forming it and working out you know a lot of our time is spent um having lunch with and talking and meeting all of the agents in London and finding out what it is exactly that they're looking for and what their personal tastes are so kind of slightly molding what you have into um, what they're looking for as well as you know at the same time as kind of keeping the integrity of what it was to begin with so you know the the technical answer is that you know you should send the first three polished chapters but you know there are instances where you can approach an agent and just say look this is where I'm headed this is what I'm doing I know I've got an amazing idea and you know I can prove that my writing is right here's a kind of couple of sample chapters but you know it isn't finished and I'm not saying that's a great idea, but if you've got a good reason for doing it, then it will still get read on a par with, you know, stuff that's more polished and finished. Mm. And yeah, you've got to play a delicate game between like looking like a professional and, you know, having a good reason for not sending it in finished and polished. And the other thing is that the first thing we do after reading those three chapters, if we love them, is ask for the rest of the manuscript. <laughs> so that kind of needs to be there and ready to go because you can't say, oh, you know, great love that you love it you know i'll finish it in six months because yeah. you know anything can happen in six months yeah, <laughs> it could exactly. be gone <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah <laughs> kind of being on the ball and being on you know and knowing what you're presenting knowing that you know if you know it's a great idea just kind of getting it out there mm. so yeah that's the timing thing and you know i it makes me sad that some people might sit on stuff and never submit it because it, it'll never be ready mm. Um, so yeah, I know I understand that it's difficult to kind of let go and let that stuff out there, but mm. my kind of message is not to spend, you know, years agonizing over, you know, tiny teas here and, mm. you know, the uh, kind of adjective there, you know, get it, get people reading, get people seeing it and mm. get good people to read it. You know, it can't just be your gran or your mum, you know, go get a reading group, get other people who will have a, you know, passion for literature to read it and give honest feedback. Mm. So yeah, when they've had enough of reading it, you can send it in. <laughs> when your mum eventually, yeah, yeah, get a few months for yeah. Christmas. When she's run out of superlatives, then yeah, 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 send it to us. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you kind of didn't. I, I don't know if I want to say like this, but I'm glad you kind of didn't plug to go to London Book Week for authors because I've been there and it really doesn't feel like authors are meant to hang out there that much. It feels like but you, you mean rest. the London Book Fair, yeah, yeah. Because I went there thinking, oh, this would be a great place to meet. <laughs> no, no, it was, yeah, it was... it's a kind of. It's weird because we only see. For us, it's about selling foreign rights. Mm. You know, the big books are out on submission in the UK at that time, but all of the foreign rights deals are kind of going on at that moment. Mm. Um, So we kind of, as agents, kind of stick to the foreign rights end of things, which, you know, authors don't really go to. Um, And there are kind of author, and there are really interesting talks about, like, the industry, Mm. but it's quite like internal stuff. It's talking about, you know, finer details of contracts and, you know, the threat of subscription models and whatever, and an author, they, I think they have an author's day, yeah, and there are do. like amazing writers doing, you know, talks, and you know, it's an it's an amazing thing in itself. 
but it's not really a place all of the publishing people are so tied up that it's not really a place to go and pitch your books every now and again an author gets loose upstairs in the uh in the rights, the foreign rights kind of bit, yeah. and kind of wanders from table to table, but it's kind of a bad time to approach agents because yeah, they're busy <laughs> doing other stuff. Oh, did yeah. you? Yeah. Well, cause, uh, I hope they did it nicely. They did, oh yeah, they asked me to leave very nicely. But okay, good. But, they, but the the thing is, uh, I sort of stealthily went round. I'd gone to the author bit, and then they said, "Oh, sorry, we can't stay much longer. We've got to go to the foreign rights bit." Yeah. And I sort of thought, "Well, sod queuing here. Then. Let's go there." I'll go there. <laughs> and, then, and at the time, there was no one on the because yeah. the, there's normally like a person there that sort of checks you, yeah, or whatever. And for some reason, there wasn't, and I just thought, "Okay, I'll just hang out here until <laughs> they do that." And it was really like I met loads well, of people. Well, it's like a, you know, it's a jackpot in yeah. terms of seeing agents, but it's that kind of awkward thing of. You know, every time I'm at like a wedding or a party, <laughs> someone there finds out that you're a literary agent and you spend, you end up spending, you know, half an hour outside of the loo, you know, getting pitched a book to you. Like you do kind of have to pick your moments. Yeah. And, you know, I actually quite, I think it's normally quite, you know, fun. And I, you know, my whole message is that you shouldn't be afraid to approach agents, <laughs> but maybe like pick your moment slightly and sort of make sure that it's a time where they would be willing that's, um, that's cool. in that kind of like you know controlled openness like we can um yeah you know we're happy to talk to anyone some of the mm. best conversations come out of it yeah but yeah not too, not too weird times yeah as a as a comedian i hate it when people come up to you and go oh you're a comedian tell us a joke yeah <laughs> I, I think it's because i think it's because people have started to talk about it on stage in like yeah. a jokey way yeah, yeah, yeah. people they think it's think normal funny. yeah or people think it's the norm yeah and so they do it and you're like no yeah. just don't no you can ask me to no don't even ever ask me to, don't don't ask me when i'm up there either yeah, just let yeah. me do it just let me do it yeah you paid money to see it yeah so you'll get what you're given yeah exactly and and it'll be amazing so i mean arrogant <laughs> i'm biased yeah but it's exactly my sense of humor so i don't care um but yeah so how does for you guys anyway i'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not asking generally with these i'm just asking mm. for within this agency so how does the relationship work between you and the writer do you are you sort of taking them on as an employee or are you contracting them for a specific book or ah, okay so there's sort of two sides to that question so we every agency will have a retainer um our jank clothes slightly different from most in that we only retain people on a book by book basis um whereas some places will retain you as an author for all your writing for the rest mm. of your career and this is just simply because you know it's a two-way relationship it's a very close relationship and you know if if someone doesn't want to be in that relationship for whatever reason anymore it's you know it's nasty and it's a bit difficult and it's complicated to try and you know get yourself out of that situation from the agent's point of view or from the author's if if it's kind of all kind of contractually tied up and it's a very blurry thing that whole kind of I'm you know I'm your agent and we will represent you for all your writing because you know there's novel writing but there's all sorts of other things and you know you you could have written a book when you were in your 20s and you know if you wanted to write another one in your 70s you're still retained under the same Mm. um, agreement so yeah just to keep life simple and to keep everybody happy and to kind of sort of just make everyone's life a bit more simple we retain people book by book which isn't to say that we aren't only interested in you for that book we very quickly send you a retainer for a second book you know if Mm. the publisher does a two book deal or if you know you've got a fab book idea for number Mm. two um but in terms of the way that the the sort of author agent relationship works like i said it is a really close one and we're very lucky here at jankly um uk which is that we are very small 
and because we've got big Janklo US which is our you know the, the sort of mothership which is much bigger <laughs> we have this kind of safety net in which we you know we don't have to take on absolutely everything we can be quite selective mm. we can work really closely with our authors and you know yeah you know sometimes you'll sign someone up and maybe it's a year or a year and a half before the book is in everyone's eyes like ready to go mm. out which might sound a bit terrifying but you know you 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 a lot of the time you only get one shot and we it's you know it's in everyone's best interest to make sure that that you're giving you know the book and the author the best possible chance that they can um so lots of work lots of editing lots of talking lots of lunches and you know you really get to know someone it's a very personal relationship like writing is a very personal thing mm. so you actually get very you know very close you know some really good friends of mine and my clients and mm. you know publishing is a very small industry everyone mm. ends up marrying everybody <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's um it's a very special relationship um and in terms of the more kind of contracty negotiate sort of nitty-gritty stuff we work on a commission um if we don't sell the book we don't take a commission so like again it's our it's in our best interest to make sure that that's a kind of great version of the book that we're sending out um and janklo uk has you know we're kind of looking for debut and uk authors specifically but the amazing thing about kind of signing with us is that you also then will get assigned an agent in the US to do an on the, on the ground submission in the US if we think the book will travel, right. which is kind of unique. You know, a lot of places have foreign rights departments, but to have actually have US agents there who will represent your book mm. and do exactly the same thing in the UK over in the US is a kind of magical thing. And it's worked really well for us in the past and for our authors. It's really great. Mm. So... Going from you getting a book submitted mm -hmm. to getting a book published, mm -hmm. what internally for you guys is the process of that? Because because uh, you've mentioned that like you get the I don't want to call it slash part you get the slash emails mm -hmm. and you go through those mm -hmm. and then you and then say say you found a gem of a, of an idea yeah. in one of those, you just hit reply and send. So yeah, it <laughs> comes in. Um, like I say, like here, just how it works is that we do it in the morning. Anything that comes into the inbox that is addressed to one of our agents here specifically we will pass it on to them and then it's up to that agent to get back to them. Um, if we love it, we will reply straight away because, you know, we just want to get on this and say, this sounds fantastic. Can we see the rest of the manuscript? During which time, while we're waiting for that email to come through, you know, we're passing that submission around being like, hey, doesn't this sound great? You know, what a great you know storyline, what a great cover letter. This person sounds interesting haven't you you know heard of met seen whatever or doesn't this book remind you of this this is doing really well so all of that conversation is kind of going on one of the other first things we do is send it to our head of foreign rights so she's kind of prepped and ready to start thinking about that book in terms of um sort of selling it abroad you know kind of crime is really big in germany and thrillers are really big in germany you've got like kind of scandy crime like she's a kind of expert in what you know sells where like great business books in japan and china you know, where a parenting book might sit, you know, who likes YA, who doesn't. Like, it's very, it's weird. Like, each kind of country has their own particular taste. So she's already starting to think about that. Um, and then we get the full manuscript in and we will, we're, we're quick readers. I mean, we'll read it if we're excited about it within, 
you know, 24 hours a day, two days. I mean, whatever we can do to kind of jump on it really quickly. Out of interest, what is the... So if... if uh, so it's just where you said crime is big in Germany. I just found that really <laughs> amusing. Um, so crime in Germany, business books in, over in Asia. What what was big in this country then? Um, well, at the moment, on the kind of commercial side, it's sort of psychological suspense, all your okay. kind of gone girls and your sort of uh, dark, twisty, secret women thrillers sort of unreliable narrators mm. um there's always crime here in the uk not on such a not, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird um like crime's always popular we've got <laughs> that even also sounds I weird um i think they, i think in context, there are a lot of crime books <laughs> yeah, i'm not going to crop that out and put that as like a snippet somewhere just be like germany's got big on crime, crime. yeah um, um <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, what everyone wants at the moment is psychological suspense on the commercial side. There's a slight move, which is kind of a call out from abroad, but to go into sort of slightly more like, you know, go back to those kind of beautiful love stories and kind of something a bit softer, kind of interesting ways at kind of looking at relationships. But the call out still at the moment is for psychological suspense just everywhere. They just... They're the books that sell at the moment. Um, And then on the kind of... There's this thing called YA, Mm. um, which is actually an American term and it is kind of a thing we've slightly adopted over here, but it's basically supposed to be kind of writing for the upper end of teenagers. But usually the biggest readerships are actually adults. It just means that the book has a teenage protagonist and is dealing with kind of issue-led stuff like kind of uh the john green kind of like cancer or kind of fam like kind of broken families or kind of drug problems or sort of that dark issue-led stuff using these amazing teenage voices who are kind of finding their way around to kind of discuss these bigger topics Mm. which is the kind of stuff that i love reading and does really well sort of within a sort of smaller bracket Mm. of the market um and yeah, and we at Jankly also do a lot of um, popular science. So kind of finding the kind of young, cool, up and coming scientists in every sort of extraordinary field of science that there is. Um, and kind of getting them to write kind of explorative books about their subjects. Mm. You know, we represent, um, you know, someone who's a professor. I think she's a, her specialism is in the science of bubbles. And she's kind of, wow. and <laughs> all of these people exist and they're all really young and cool and they're all mates with each other and they all do kind of science slams. And like, it's just a really fun part of the market at the moment. And it, they do really well. And people are obsessed with kind of future of science and neurology and um yeah kind of talk like books about death and people are just fascinated on that there's a comedy night you should go to uh, and it's a weird recommendation it's called science show off and it is literally half the bill is scientists talking about what they do in a yeah. humorous way and half the bill is comedians having to write about a science subject they need to do. <laughs> really it's so good oh my god that sounds great yeah yeah he does science show off museum show off and another one i can't remember but they're three themed things around That's- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's really cool. Different stuff. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Definitely all check it out as well. It's very good. Um, but yeah, so... Um, it, it's interesting because like uh like I was, i've just talked to random house about sort of niches and how niches aren't actually small they're just specific subjects and i think that gets so like a weird uh definition thing to it so like with bubbles for example yeah you'd think oh, that's quite a niche thing but i would probably read that book because it sounds well, quite but it, but it sounds i mean I, I it always just sticks in my head because i just love saying the word bubble but you, you, um you realize, bubble, bubble. Yeah. <laughs> say it like it sounds it's way more fun so. but it's that kind of you know she uses that to then she's also a kind of brilliant communicator and she uses the science of bubbles to look at the whole <laughs> to look at the way that you know waves work and kind of whole huge tidal systems work and how you know that kind of feeds into science and then it feeds into all of these amazing areas because i mean you know you couldn't write a whole book on bubbles but you can use that as the kind of starting point to talk about much bigger kind of principles in science. Um, so yeah, it's those ways in and those kind of unique viewpoints that we're looking for. Mm. You know, who better to tell you about physics than the bubble scientist? And the bubble lady. <laughs> when the bubble lady. She sounds amazing. What's the name of that book? Um, it is called A Storm in a Teacup by Helen Chet. That's a really good title. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I like I said with the random. I was talking. I was trying to work out because they said, "Oh, we've got this like formula we use for like titles when we're trying to like edit them." And I was like, "What's your formula for, like, what's your formula for books?" Because I'm, I'm self-publishing for ti- a book. For titles. Yeah, I uh, love t- picking titles is my favorite thing. Yeah, to do. same. <laughs> but the problem is, I I'll like come up with like three or four, and then I will get attached to like two of them, mm. and then I'll never be able to pick between two of them, and I'll have to get someone else to do it just because then I can blame. Do you not have one that sits more in the forefront of your? I mean, you just know. There is one like for my current book. Yeah. Yes, but uh, so at the moment I'm going with. With, uh, how to make a living by working for free because I think that's, that's a really good I know right but I had like loads of other ones that were similar is it to very that. se- that's a very self-helpy title it's a how-to guide okay. yeah, for it's, it's, it's a how-to guide for all uh, for like um uh artists to yeah. uh learn how to build an audience online for what they do through free content yeah so I think it suits yeah yeah yeah, it does what it says on the tin <laughs> yeah exactly so I thought I thought it would be quite a good yeah. title but I, I but the problem is I don't I don't know if it makes enough sense without you knowing what the books are. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we're storming a teacup. I don't think of that. I don't think of bubbles, for example. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so it says what it does, but at the same token, it doesn't. So that's my concern about mine in particular. No, I think, I think, um, I think your sounds good because if you're going down self help, so this is my advice for people when picking titles for their books <laughs> is to go into a bookshop and to have a look at the other titles. You know, there are patterns in these things. There's like mm. a language for titles that you know for example all of this psychological spence is called gone girl and disclaimer and you know girl on a train and put girl in the title like even if it doesn't end up being the eventual title when you're sending it in for submission 
it's kind of triggering you know i've written a psychological suspense it's called you know um like crime girl you know so all of a sudden that you're in that world and you know that the person knows that they're correct in thinking that what they've written is psychological psychological suspense because Mm. it goes with that um but yeah, titles is my favourite thing. Yeah, I think I lie that... awake all night just like with a thousand titles rolling around in my head. <laughs> I, I think one of the most underrated things recently is, uh, for writing in general is um, the headlines for newspapers because they are so dependent on advertising and clickbait essentially mm. that to come up with a good title that isn't clickbait is just an art. Like when you when you read like you know sort of a uh, uh, you know they, they have them come up on your time uh, they come up on my timeline a lot on Facebook. It's like ah uh, twelve ways to decant a yeah. or whatever yeah. you won't believe number six or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and you click it and you're like oh I believe number six yeah. why did I click yeah. on this but whereas like if there's like an article that's like you know uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head but you know what I mean if there's like a real thing that you, you actually clicked on because you're interested in it yeah. and it's not something because it's tricked your monkey brain yeah, to go yeah, oh yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah, the yeah. nine ways yeah. of putting on my shoe like, well it's a, it's a kind of game that you play you also can't be too clever yeah you know you might be a brilliant genius but you've got to kind of Unless what you're putting, oh, well, this is all coming out wrong. But um, it kind of depends what you're writing. But you know, pick a pick a title that suits what you're doing mm. and doesn't make it too difficult. Mm. Because also, if you haven't sort of organically come with the perfect title that it's always been called, and that's just you know, you started with the title, mm. then you know you can't put you can't think about. I can't get my words out anymore. <laughs> I, I, I I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, like because because I. Don't so, try and bamboozle people with a title. Like, yeah. Give them what they want. <laughs> yeah, I had... Uh, this is... Because uh, there's so much crossover in in performance and writing. Yeah. And I don't think people know it. So when I met with the Camden Fringe people, the people that run that, yeah. um, they said, my biggest tip, don't uh, try and make your show sound mysterious in the copy. Yeah. Because no one will come and see a show that has an ellipsis in the... You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a scary comedy. Or is it? You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, no one wants to see that. Just yeah. say what it is and yeah. what it's about. And then you'll... And then you actually attract more attention to it. Yeah. And I think it's the same... Well, it is. It's, that's writing. But it's the same with this, where you're yeah. sort of like, don't call it, you know... Well, just help, just help people out. Like, don't make life more difficult than it already is. Mm. You know, you're in a bookshop... You you know, books are expensive. People want to know what they're getting themselves into. Mm. And I read a book um, recently. There's a book called The Girl with All the Gifts, which on the front said it was the, you know, the biggest thriller of the year. And I picked it up and I bought it. And it was it, the cover and the way that it was... I mean, it's quite clever publishing because it made what was essentially a kind of... Um, zombie apocalypse book <clears throat> look like all of the psychological suspense that I love mm. reading. It had a kind of mysterious girl on the cover. It was called The Girl with All the Gifts and it said Thriller of the Year on it. So I picked it up and about 50 pages in, you know, people were getting infected by this kind of rabid blood thing and <laughs> those are not the kind of books that I mm. personally enjoy reading and yeah. I felt cheated. <laughs> yeah, And I was quite cross. But I was a bit like, hey, clever publishing because a lot more people read psychological suspense than yeah. sort of zombie apocalypse stuff. But I also, you know, I trust my publishers. Yeah. And I trust, you know, that you're not going to wrap up a book about 18th century art in a thriller cover. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I um, The more I'm getting into this industry, or the more I'm talking to people in this industry, the more uh, black books jokes make more sense to me. So, like, Bernard had this really good one where he said... Um, 
uh, no, Manny was saying to him, oh, uh, why do you call it Black Books? And he said, because my name's Bernard Black and it's a bookshop. <laughs> I, I, I was going to call it World of Tights, but you know how stupid people are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. And it's like, you hear that and you, and you laugh at it because it's ridiculous, <laughs> but then you then you get into the writing industry and you're like, oh, yeah, it's actually way better than anyone's ever giving it credit for. Yeah. It never changes. Yeah. I can't watch that program anymore because it's just so true yeah i know it's, <laughs> and it is that mad <laughs> yeah it is it's amazing yeah um right so changing the subject slightly yeah um social media is sort of a big yeah. thing for a lot of authors and, mm-hmm. and especially blogging and trying to build their own sort of uh readership before uh sort of approaching people like yeah. you what kind of stock do you i mean is it worth mentioning that in the in the cover letter what kind of stock do you put in yeah audiences that um already... my thing about social media is for non-fiction nowadays really important i mean depending on what you're writing but you know the first thing a non-fiction publisher will do nowadays when your submission comes in from us is have a look at you on twitter have a look at you on instagram whatever it is that you're saying that you know they basically want the guarantee that there are x many people who might who they can target to to get this Mm. book so if you're doing cookery you know it's important to have sort of built a profile for yourself before you've done that. You know, the comedy thing is interesting because, you know, if you're writing nonfiction as a comedian, kind of depends what subject you're writing on. Mm. But like for pub- for publishers, it's, you know, it's guaranteed. It's a guaranteed audience. If, if you're coming to them with 50,000 followers, they're like, well, you know, 50,000 people think this comedian is worth listening to or this scientist has got interesting points. Um... So for, on the non-fiction side, it is really important. And it's important if what you're kind of tweeting and blogging about is, is you know, linked to the, what the book is about. Mm. Um, at least in kind of your, you know, if you're so much of your personality is in it, mm. then uh, in the book, then if that comes across on Twitter, you know, that's important. People like the way you write or the way you kind of formulate your opinions. Mm. On the fiction side, I mean, again, it's incredibly useful brilliant that if it comes naturally to you and you're doing it all the time to be you know tweeting and in the community of book readers and buyers and um reviewers you know there's whole there's whole kind of worlds of ya and sci-fi and genre kind of uh, i don't know what you call it like um of fans who love talking about it and reviewing it and blogging it and publishers will tap in you know they have all of those people who are kind of well respected and well listened to within those things to you know tap into when it comes time for marketing so if you're already in that world and people know who you are that word of mouth is is incredible it can do amazing things for a book but on the fiction side if it doesn't come naturally to you just don't bother like coming a cover letter that says you know i've got 15 followers on twitter and like here's my blog that is a kind of you know piece of crap that you know it's got like three things in it and it's just clearly been put together to show willing you know it's a bit sad and it's you know it's a bit sad as in you know it's a bit depressing to see a a little twitter thing (laughs) um so yeah it's just you don't have to force it it's not it's not a necessary for writing fiction to have this big following it's just a boat it's just icing on the cake basically if you can do it naturally and you're willing we would never force any of our authors to take it up and say well look you know if you want this book to sell you've got to get out there because people doing twitter against their will like never <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't come across well it's a bit embarrassed it's a bit coy yeah. and like it's it's just a bit like embarrassing to read because you just don't feel like they really want to engage 
in that way mm. you know some authors are like incredibly shy people yeah. they just want to live in the world of their books and that's totally okay mm. um so yeah i think if it suits you then do it yeah no i understand that it's kind of um like i said because my day job is writing jokes mm. for twitter and some days it's really nice because it means i get an outlet of writing something but it doesn't have to go on mine so i don't have to do you yeah. know what i mean like, i'm still yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm hidden away from the yeah. world behind this sort of yeah yeah and and also because i'm writing for a voice that isn't mine a lot of the time because it's a brand's voice i sort of don't feel i sort of feel like it's me but at the same time i'm sort of like no one knows like it's really nice um so it's kind of interesting voyeurism you get to be more white for a day yeah 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 it's fun uh Yeah. There are other brands. <laughs> there are other brands available. There's Vegemite, but I'm, I'm definitely not allowed to plug them. Um, so yeah, okay. And you can just beep it out, like I said, a really nasty swear word. <laughs> you can be a for the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that might not come across. That'd that be one. even worse. I'd be like, right, well, this interview is going to be very <laughs> salted by the end. Um, but I mean, I, I know what you're saying. It's just because, um, because I mean, a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of, but there's there's a lot of um, people in the train. Oh, I don't want to call it that way. Let's do it a different way. Um, there's a lot of books I've seen at different train stations at like WH Smiths and, mm-hmm. and Tesco's and things that are uh, internet celebrities who are sort of publishing books at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of wonder what you thought of that trend and what you think of... Because I imagine that the people that are mainly buying them are their audience already. So it would make sense to me, or in a way, it, would, it doesn't make sense to me why they would be pushed out further because I wouldn't buy a book from an internet celebrity I didn't know, much like I wouldn't buy one from yeah. a celebrity I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, and that's kind of... I'm sort of not sure what the future for that is at the moment. There was certainly a kind of fad for it, particularly kind of at the beginning of this year, maybe the end of last year, where, you know, these kind of teen YouTube stars, you know, suddenly publishers just totally tapped into, you know, like I said, you know, all of those followers, you know, there is a guaranteed audience for you. And some big book deals were done, and some books were published and I don't know overall how successful that's been because it's such different content and you know they've tried various things there was the kind of pointless book which was mm. that um I always I always want to call him Archie but I'm not sure that is his name but by the um, way it, it's called the pointless book it's oh yeah sorry, sorry it wasn't a totally pointless book <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. called the pointless book and it was kind of like a pranky book kind of said you know on page 32 it just said turn to page 46 and on page 46 you turn back to, it was a kind of like doodling you know wreck this journal which is another kind of similar book yeah. but just a kind of interactive funny sort of gag and that you know I think that was a three book deal or a two book deal and then his girlfriend Zoella did a book which was a kind of YA all kind of like very teeny fiction thing and there was lots of kind of media about how she hadn't actually written the book um you know which isn't unheard of in you know it's a brand it's not unheard of in our industry Mm. we're normally pretty honest about it but people do have ghostwriters. Many, many celebrities have ghostwriters. It's not the scandal that it was. Um, and, you know, there's there's been lots of different types of, of people, try, ways that people have tried to kind of cash in on those followers. Um, and it's certainly worked. Those books have sold a lot, a lot of copies, mm. but I don't know whether there is, you know, a career as an, as an author in there unless it, there was a kind of brilliant series came out of it mm. because they're not writers, their YouTube video stars and you know it's quite difficult you know there was a whole fad before that of turning blogs into books but the whole point of a blog is that it's you know constantly refreshing itself and there's new information every single day and you know books can't provide that there is only one Mm. version of it so they get outdated yeah 
on kind of science subjects very very quickly mm. so i think the same thing might happen on with those sort of youtube star things which is that maybe one or two books will come out of it and be big big successes because those people are big big successes yeah. um but i don't know if there's kind of longevity in that as um a way of kind of publishing I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's <laughs> what fine. I was thinking about YouTube stars. No, I know what you're saying. I mean, uh, Shane Coizan, who's a, a poet from Canada, yeah. um, he, he did a Kickstarter a while ago, which was fascinating because in it, he was talking about how uh, he's had a couple of books published and he can't get his third one published because um, the poetry section keeps getting narrower and narrower because there are other celebrities that mm. are basically taking up a lot of space in physical brick and mortar shops yeah. and as a result he was like I need to prove to them that this would sell please pre-order it yeah. so that they can do that and he sold loads like he did amazingly yeah. well out of it um, but it was just interesting to think that celebrities were taking over because celebrities take over everything because they're sort of the, the... So you mean celebrity not celebrity poet there aren't that many celebrity poets no but, but the thing is is that if you have so say you say you have we've got a bookshelf in front of us say you have eight shelves and you know you can only fit a certain number of books on those if you had um, you know 20 books being released and 18 of them were from celebrities you yeah, they would yeah, take yeah. up more space well, on they there would than, because and they would just make like it smaller. I say it's that kind of you know publishers pay a lot of money for the those big celebrity endorsed mm. books whether it's kind of fitness or self-help or it's just a biography you know celebrity biographies is a huge deal and you know there's a lot of hype around them because they obviously come with so much potential you know there mm. are you know you don't have to you're not really selling anything because everyone already knows you know how Ruby Wax talks and how she presents herself and what her opinions are and this is the book form of it like what's not to kind of what's not to love so yeah it is difficult and those books have their own you know they have the right to be on the shelves as much as those other smaller ones but it's a it's a you know it's a publisher's job to make as much you know it's a bit it's it's kind of easy and lazy to just rely on the big names that have already made themselves you know the real work is finding those you know little gems who no one's ever heard of and making them as well known as you know the people who come come with it all already, um, and you know it's difficult to shout that loud about something against you know against the celebrity names. It's difficult to kind of bring an unknown into that and be like, mm. okay, you'll love that, but like this guy's really amazing. He writes like a dream. You know, he's got his own YouTube channel. Maybe take a look at that. But these things build and they build slowly, and um, you know it does work. Mm. And there's kind of luck involved and just people being in there in the right time, in the right place. Word of mouth is a huge thing for us. Mm. Waterstones and bookshops getting behind a particular title mm. just because they love it, you know, can make huge can make a huge difference for an author's career. Having a great marketing team in your publishing house, you know, having people doing like really great publicity work on it. Inventive stuff, not just kind of the the everyday yeah. Um, so it's possible. It's difficult because you are competing against all of these mm. sort of big brand names, but that's just life. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and combine two questions because yeah. you, you've sort of answered two and, and I sort of think they can now work together. Yeah. Um, because I was going to ask you about, because I really love additional content in things. So mm. like when there's a TV show that like talks about a website and then yeah, they, yeah, and yeah. you go to it and they've made that website yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with books, I've noticed a lot, you know, there are apps involved yeah. or there's like extra chapters that you come out and stuff. props from it, books. And exactly, stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so I was going to ask you what your thoughts on that are, but then you, you sort of commented on um, the... Uh, actually, I'm, let's just keep them separate. Let's give it that. Yeah, okay. there you go on. Sorry. Well, I mean, I'm not sure what the. Is that, I mean, it's a, it's, 
it's effective because it's fun and it's you know anything that you can do to kind of get into other streams to get people who aren't book buyers or aren't book readers talking about something or you know anything that you can pass on like it's all good um but again it all comes back to the writing you know you don't want to you know hear about this cool websites that's selling you know props from their book and then read the book and think oh well why bother because the book's totally crap so it all starts with the writing and it all starts with the book but it's you know those things are great and it's fun and it shows imagination and and energy from the publisher to be thinking up those things it shows kind of a real commitment to you know you know book publishing is a traditional traditional thing it's been around for hundreds of thousands of years like anything you can do to you know keep it try and help it keep up with the rest of the world and there's changes and you know these there's these things called enhanced ebooks that exist now where you can you know read a kid's story on your ipad and it comes alive and rabbits jump across it and there's extra content and the changing you know the ending changes like all of this stuff is really fun and really cool and it's all brilliant but the writing has to be there at the mm. beginning like you know you yeah it comes back to the writing yeah it's just about the writing <laughs> and how would you go about then promoting an unknown author because yeah I mean like I, uh, I, I no just leave it at that how, how would, you... would I get well I mean as an agent um, it's our job to a certain extent but our job mainly is placing it with the right publisher who is who has a good track record with you know getting these fantastic debut authors out there um and our job is to kind of make sure that their in-house publicity and marketing teams are on it and they are giving enough attention to your book and they're doing everything they possibly possibly can um it's slightly it's a bit sort of you know books early copies of books still get sent out for reviews um they still get reviewed in newspapers and it's not as kind of it's not the gospel like it used like Mm. it used to be people don't pay so much attention to it but a fantastic review from the right author on the front of your book can be the difference between selling you know 200 copies and selling 20,000 copies you know people Mm. really associate with that kind of the confidence Mm. um and uh yeah getting it to bloggers getting it to the right you know people on the internet who are busy and active voices within these forums that kind of thrive off particular genres of books you know getting celebrity endorsements you know sending a book that you know if you heard that Caitlin Moran loved Doctor Who why not send her a copy of you know a debut author who's writing you know something a bit sci-fi and hopefully she picks it up and gives it a quote or talks about it or tweets about it whatever Mm. so the, the usual things but I mean you know I think a hundred thousand books get published every year. You know, you've got to, you've got to. In, I think that's only in the UK. Actually, I can't even remember where I got that number from. Yeah. Um, but a lot of books get published every year, and you know, a lot of those will be debuts. You know, you've got to muscle. You've got to kind of get your elbows out to mm. to get noticed. Some books don't get noticed. Um, so yeah, whatever you can do, whatever your publisher can do, to to make people talk about it is always good. When it comes to you picking up a book and assessing how many people might potentially buy it, mm. say you came out of a target market for a book and you thought there's a million people that might be interested in this book in the UK, just, you know, plucking numbers, right? Right. So, so we'll say, no, say you think the target audience for a book is, you know, 1825 tech-savvy men or whatever, yeah, yeah. and there's a million of them in the yeah, UK, yeah, for yeah. example. Obviously not every one of those people is going to no. buy that book. You know what I mean? They might share it around. Yeah. Some of them might never hear about it, whatever. How do you work out how many because you because you must know or you must have a rough estimation well, of how many people you'd like to buy it it's it sort of doesn't quite work like that because um 
it's more based on how many copies of other books like it solved is what we do most okay. most of our kind of estimations on but it's such a random game you know someone can just pick up on a book and it can be you know you get these successes that come out of nowhere you get really crap books that sell millions and thousands of copies and you're like god i can't believe people are even bothering you know that's subjective but that does happen um so yeah i think and also you know it's up to the publisher they have access to the database that tells them how many sales of books there are across you know across every single title so you do comparisons it kind of it affects how much of an advance you get paid for the book so how much they're willing to pay as a kind of there's sort of they've got their own algorithm thing going on for it but they will work out how much they're willing to pay up front by looking at the other books on the market Mm. and by you know how much hype there is for that book you know i can't there's not a specific science to it is what i'm saying it also depends quite a lot on the on the editor who you're selling the book to because sometimes something can come in completely left of field and they're like, I know there's nothing like this on the market. I've got nothing to compare this to, but I just, I believe that this book is going to do amazingly. And if they're well trusted and respected within their publishing house, they sometimes get given the chance just to, you know, lay down the cash and get the book. And then, you know, it's up to them, you know, the pressure's on to, for them to make it work because they took a chance. Mm. And sometimes those chances pay off and sometimes they don't, you know. And sometimes, like I say, these books just come, you know, Fifty Shades came out of nowhere and it's all gajillions of copies mm. and no one saw that one coming no. not even the author <laughs> so yeah I know. No, yeah. I mean, it's nuts so um yeah there isn't a specific science and there's a lot of factors involved but i think the kind of key is comparing which is helpful when you're doing your covering letters to compare yourself to other similar titles mm. it helps kind of put in our mind whether we're talking about you know like a small cozy crime book or a massive you know psychological suspense mm. dark twisty thriller thing yeah a bit like five more minutes five more minutes yeah. okay I will pick selectively then pick your top two best questions <laughs> okay very quickly I was going okay I was going to ask um, other than sort of reading through your emails and stuff mm. how are you discovering new artists and authors because obviously I mean are you keeping track of crowdfunded books or, or yeah. trending stuff or um, literally everything um, <laughs> I mean because whatever I've wasted you can, a what, question on that <laughs> whatever like whatever we can do to get in there first before other people whatever we can do you know it's not always that you come to us with a with a book sometimes you know after Fringe we approached the, the Edinburgh Fringe we, we approached a couple of comedians and just said look I love what you're doing you've got a great voice it's mm. clearly like a an amazing message here it's clearly something you really want to talk about why don't you write a book and then we talk with them about whether it should be non-fiction or whether they can kind of translate that into Mm. a story or whether you know if they're a poet whether they've ever thought of Mm. you know elaborating on something that's can you know really like deeply ingrained in their poetry it can work kind of the other way around we do lots of things like these like podcasts and talking to writers groups we have a you know relationships with different creative writing mas all over the country we run competitions. We ran a big competition last year with Mumsnet. Um, and we've got a few other things in the pipeline. Um, we just spend hours on Twitter trawling around, seeing who people are talking about, what they're talking about. Read short stories and just see if some, you know, if there's something there, if there's someone who's just writing amazing short stories, whether we can work towards getting them published or better still, you know, get one of those stories and turn it into a novel or find out whether that writer's already got a novel hidden under their bed somewhere that they're too shy to show us. Mm. Like, actually, anything that we possibly can do to 
to kind of reach out to people and to be proactive about it um we okay. do <laughs> okay um i'm gonna be cheeky because this one's a two-part okay but it's nice it's cool part a part b okay um <laughs> well the first part of it is what was the be- what is the best bit of advice you've ever been given and the second part of that is what is the bit of advice you would give a budding author with or without an agent that you want to do oh, so which, which way around do you want to do that the be- so the best bit of advice that I've ever been going been given with yeah. regards to publishing, as in regards to yeah, be- being a uh, um, mostly that, like I said, I'm a kind of relatively new agent, and it's incredible working here because it's such a supportive place to be a new agent. Whereas you know there are other places that would make you feel terrible for going for months without signing an author, and here like there's a very good you know ethos for kind of following your gut. You know if you feel like it's right and you feel like the connection is there with you and the author, then just go for it. And like, you know, in many, apart from our time, which is our kind of biggest commodity, we have nothing to lose. You know, we, you know, you can, you can kind of chase your dreams. You can think, oh my God, this story is completely insane and crazy and no one is going to want to read it. But maybe just maybe if we worked on it for a year and we kind of honed it down, Mm. I can do something clever and be strategic about this and get it into the hands of the one editor that I know who might possibly fall in love with it as much as I did or get how weird and crazy Mm. it is and go for it so yeah I think personally I think that just following your gut about about what is good about writing and what is making you read more you know sometimes you sit down and you don't want a book to be good because you just want to be able to read it and reject it really quickly because you know x factors on or whatever (laughs) and sometimes you know you sit down to read that book and then two hours later it's all you know you finish the book and you're like my god this is incredible and it changed my mind like I didn't want this one to be Mm. good so it's it's about listening to your kind of gut and and sort of following the writing and sort of believe like and also believing in the fact that books are the most like amazingly transformative brilliant magical things that can't really be replaced by twitter or any of this other stuff and like totally believing in that as well and being really enthusiastic about everything, which is yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is probably how I'm coming across right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and a bit of advice you would give to a budding author, say without an agent, let's do it that um, way. A bit of advice is just get a couple of people around you whose opinion you trust and let them read your work. And by opinion you trust, it's not, you know, family members. Get people who are writing or who work in the industry or who are journalists or teachers or whatever, like people who are sensible and will give you, you know, proper, who are readers, people who actually read the books, that the kind of books that you're writing and, you know, get a good group. You know, I, I'm a big believer in writing group, whether it's kind of, you know, big high-end ones or it's just you and a couple of friends, like anything that encourages you to be critical about your own work in a constructive way, I think is is really, really useful. And we've had some amazing writers come out of, and, you know, people who are published now still, you know, seek or will always send the first, you know, draft of their book. Really established writers will just, they have a reading group and they'll always show the first draft of whatever they're writing to these kind of six trusted people before we even get to see it. It's really annoying, but it works. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, find some good readers if you can. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on. That's okay. No problem. Cheers.
That was Jessie. As an author who wants to write more books, I loved the chance to talk to her. I thought she was really fun and clearly loves her job, and i just like to thank her for her time. She's always very giving and always very helpful. I've met her a few times now, and she's always been absolutely lovely. So if you need to contact anyone or you want to give her an email, I'm sure she'd love to hear from anyone out there who's like a budding writer or anything to do with any of those things. But do make sure if you're going to submit something to her, you read the website first, because that's her pet peeve and it's worth not annoying her. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support the future of the project, please do consider becoming a patron from $1 an episode. That's 80p. So if what you've just listened to you think you value at 80p that would, or more, that would be fine. Do consider giving it. Go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. All the money gets recycled back into the show. It would be amazing if we could make the next target. I think we need about $50 to make that happen. So if 50 of you gave $1 each, that would be amazing. And it would really take the pressure off me to take days off work so that I can do more of these. So if you like it, please do consider supporting it. I do three pods a month, so it'll cost you a maximum of £2.40 to support the podcast. Having said that, you can set a limit. So if you can only afford $2 a month, so you can say, I will donate $1 per episode but for a maximum of two dollars a month which is perfectly fine by me as well so please do that if you can't afford that or you don't want to do that you can do a one-off paypal donation on my website which is simonkane.co.uk and you can give as much or as little as you want for that as i said before if you like this episode there's one from random house which is episode 36 and we've got more writers coming on in 2016 but i don't want to talk about them just yet because they're not 100 percent confirmed but they're pretty much there enough that I can announce them in the Facebook group soon enough. So join that if you would like to be the first to find out about it. Feel free to share this with a friend if you have a writer friend who you think would benefit from it. That'd be really great. Last thing I want to chuck in here is I have a show taking place at the Comedy Cafe Theatre in London on the 26th of January 2016. It is my biggest solo show to date. It is my 2015 Edinburgh show called Buddhism and Cats. So if you've already seen it and you don't want to see it again, don't worry about coming down to see it again. Just tell a friend. That would be amazing. If you do want to come and see it and you haven't had a chance because you couldn't get to Edinburgh or because you were busy in Edinburgh, now's your chance if you live in London. It would be amazing if you could come down. I'd love to pack the place out. Who wouldn't want to pack out a place? But I would love to have the opportunity to do that to prove to the venue that I can do that and that maybe they should book me in the future. So, yeah. I've made it three, so much like my podcast, much like everything is donation-based. So if you would like to support me and you like this ethos and you think that you would like to come and see me tell jokes, please come down. It would really help out. And uh, we can say hi. Come say hi. You can just come down and give me a donation for the podcast in real life if it's easier for you. You know where I'm going to be now. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you very much for donating. And I will see you very soon. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.